0: Sell me this pen. Get them to sign on the line, which is dotted. Pick up your skirt, grab your balls, and let's make some money. Welcome to this week's episode of the Thursday Night Sales Podcast. Just a little something to take the edge off. On today's episode, I cover brutal Glassdoor reviews. Spoiler alert, these individuals who are leaving the reviews are not exactly happy with their former employers. I also cover what I'm not missing from Office Life, and I review some inspirational sales quotes that are so half-baked that they're not inspirational at all. And the best part is I'm gonna create some of my own inspirational sales quotes live on this podcast. That's right, I'm gonna do it live. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! All of that coming up on this week's episode of the Thursday Night Sales Podcast. All right, so let's get into brutal Glassdoor reviews. So for anyone out there who doesn't know what Glassdoor.com is, it's pretty simple. It's a site where employees can leave reviews of their employers, like uh, Yelp for jobs and companies that you've worked for in the past. Now, just the nature of what this website is, it immediately made me think there's got to be some hilarious reviews left by disgruntled employees. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool, and fuck you, I'm out. So I started my research for this segment on Glassdoor at a company that I used to work at. My first real sales job, reselling Xerox copiers. Didn't work for Xerox directly, worked for a reseller. It was pretty much like working at a used car dealership, but uh, even more boring. At least when you're selling cars, someone gets a new car and they're excited. No (laughs) one gives a shit about getting a new copier. Anyway... I remember the review I posted when I left the company nine years ago, and it was not a great working environment, so the review was a little bit nasty, but I tried to make it funny enough that it would be entertaining to whoever was reading it, and I figured that I would read that to you guys today, and that would be the first of several reviews I would cover from the classically bad sales jobs, but anyway... It turns out that my disgruntled one-star review of this Xerox reseller has become just a drop in the bucket of other dissatisfied and pretty hilarious bad reviews of this company. I won't give you their name because that would be mean, but let's just call this segment Brutal Reviews of the Xerox Reseller. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. So basically the format of these reviews is you get to make a title and then you list your pros, your cons, and your advice to management. The first one here, I just love the title. I think this is going to get us started off nicely. The title is, you sell copy machines, get over yourselves. <laughs> uh, this employee does not recommend the job, has a negative outlook for the company, and disapproves of the CEO. So three strikes right off the bat. Pros. It was entertaining to watch managers lie to employees about how there would be no layoffs, only to let several employees go a few weeks later. Now, when the pro in the review is that it's such an absurd work environment that he's getting amusement out of managers lying to the employees, that's as bad of a start as you could possibly have. He goes on to say, do you really think people actually believe and trust what you say? It's also fun to watch managers use all types of ridiculous terminology, for example, document management solutions, manage print services, to describe what this company does. You sell copy machines. It's not that important, and neither are you. (laughs) That's the pros section. (laughs) So let's move on to the cons um, and see where this goes. Um, Everything comes down to price because you're selling copy machines. This company's copy machines aren't unique or special nor is their customer service it's funny this company can afford to send their managers on a cheesy trip to puerto rico but they can't afford to pay their service people a living wage they were a little egregious with the photos from puerto rico every year it's it was literally like anyone who went on that president's club trip had never left the country before um all wearing Hawaiian shirts in Puerto Rico, by the way, and uh, yeah, it's like they were having their first margaritas ever when you look at those photos. They were just way too prevalent around the office. If you're going to have a President's Club trip while you're paying people barely over the poverty line, at least be subtle about it. And finally, this uh, review wraps up with advice to management. You're a bunch of phonies, you only care about yourself, and everyone knows it. You know, I don't know how I'm gonna top that. That is an unbelievable review. It gets completely real and you can find that on Glassdoor. So I'm really excited uh, on how we just started. Let's move on to the next one. Love this title, Joke. (laughs) That's it, great title to start a review. Pros: the salary is nice, not the best, but also not the worst. I need 20 words as a minimum, so ignore this sentence. (laughs) Absolutely zero guidance. They fired most of the managers. How can you look to inspire your workers when there is no leadership? You know, I was in the management training program when I was at this company and, you know, I I feel like they did give some guidance to managers, but I heard one of the most ridiculous things in that management training that I've ever heard. Um, Basically, they were talking about how to support the top performers and the advice was give them most of your time and don't really worry too much about the employees that are lagging behind <laughs> and i was just kind of raised my hand and i'm like um if that's the approach then how do we ever get those poor performers to maybe do a little bit better or the medium performers to become high performers and there was a long silence and then one of the senior managers just turned to me and said this is what we say rob you can't shine shit i was Floored that that was in management training. In my first day of management training at this company, it was unbelievable. I've never heard anything like it. Um, advice to management do the opposite of what you've been doing since you took over your position. <laughs> I love the Seinfeld logic there. That is phenomenal. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I if every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. <laughs> This next one is entitled, Crew Members Trying to Survive on a Sinking Ship. This guy's advice to management is, this company is a sinking ship with 90% of its crew members looking to jump off the boat into the ocean. (laughs) Uh, Give your employees a reason to wanna stay aboard and they will help you stay afloat. Okay, man, like, what are you, Herman Melville? Like, you don't have to pick a theme for your review. Pretty funny, but, (laughs) I think we've maybe over-indexed on the nautical thing a little bit here. This review is called Manager. I just love this line in the advice to management section. Their advice for the company is to change the name of the company to avoid customer and prospects negative reactions to past and present service problems. When your employees are in a place that even saying the name of the company they work for gets doors shut for them. I mean, my God, how bad is the service here? (laughs) Talking about reputational issues. Um, I suggest that we change the name so I actually have a chance to sell something. (laughs) That's phenomenal advice. So anyway, that wraps up the first installment of the brutal Glassdoor review segment. Uh, This might become a regular feature. You know, I'm sure there are plenty of other companies out there that deserve an ass whooping on the Thursday Night Sales Podcast. So many of us have been working from home for the past four or five months and we're getting a bit stir crazy. Maybe even to the point where we'd welcome going back to the office just to break up the routine. But let us remember that the minutia of everyday office life isn't exactly sunshine and rainbows either. So this segment is called what I'm not missing from the office. Today, I'm gonna focus on something that seems kind of insignificant, but can be incredibly annoying. That is food shaming, specifically, lunch shaming. This is where your co-workers, for seemingly no reason whatsoever, feel the need to make comments about what each other are eating. And listen, I try to have a thick skin, who cares what someone says about my lunch, right? But in the course of a full day in the office, lunch is a unique moment where you just get to shut off and enjoy something at a base emotional level. So like Just let me have this. Even if it's not a negative comment, just don't say anything at all. This is my time. There's a great article on the topic called, It's Time to Stop Commenting on Your Coworker's Lunch. Keep Your Opinions on My Plate to Yourself, written by Liz Schumer. And she runs through kind of the top five most obnoxious uh, comments you can say at lunch to a coworker. Let's go through them quickly Uh, first. I wish I could eat carbs like you (laughs) immediately making someone insecure about the carbs on their plate next it must be nice to eat whatever you want yeah that's that's extremely passive-aggressive that one the third one is is that your lunch (laughs) I guess the implication there is whatever you're eating is such a big plate of food that how does it not make you comatose and unable to do your work for the rest of the day. Next one's pretty brutal. Um, Not on a diet, are you? Yeah, you're, you're gearing up for a slap in the face if you say something like that. This next one is one of my biggest pet peeves of all time. When someone looks at your lunch with a face of disgust and then maybe even says something like, what is that? I mean, I just think that that is the rudest, most judgmental thing. What I wish would happen is that someone who did that to me would eventually bring their spouse into the office. (laughs) Just so I can look at their spouse and go, what is that? Do you sleep with that thing? (laughs) Which of course I would never do, but man, That one is on the top of my list. What I really want to say is, you know what? Wipe that disgusting look off of your face, turn around and eat your lunch in the corner. How about that? So moving on, the last one here is a story that uh, did actually happen to me. Um, It features a coworker that I used to work with who was, let's just say comedically challenged. He didn't have that many lines to go to. And so he would go to them over and over again. Now, the one that he used in the food shaming context was uh, whatever you brought in, he would look at it and go, (laughs) guess you're not watching your girlish figure, huh? But the thing is, he would say it regardless of whether or not you brought in something healthy or unhealthy. Like, if you came in with a deli sandwich covered in cheese, he'd be like, guess you're not watching your girlish figure, huh? As if it was ironic, you know, like you're letting yourself go a bit. But if you brought in a salad, he would say, "Eh, I guess you are watching your girlish figure. And I got to the point where I'm like, why do you keep referencing my girlish figure? Like, I'm a guy who's six foot four in his 30s. I'm not trying to look like a ballerina, man. (laughs) Like, Why do you keep using the girlish figure analogy of all things? And the funny thing was, if you did come in the office with something that was like kind of straddling the line between healthy and unhealthy, he would look for a component of the dish to hone in on, so that he could still make this joke. You'd be like, uh, you bring in a turkey wrap, and he would just be looking at it and be like, uh, uh, you you got the you got the light Caesar dressing there, or or the you got the regular, huh? (laughs) Well, I guess you're not what you girls figure after all. (laughs) It started out being so infuriating, but then once he kept going with it, it kind of worked and, and I was kind of just so amused at how stupid it was that I didn't mind it. Anyway, that wraps up the, what I'm not missing from the office segment for this week. Um, we're all gonna go back to the office eventually, but let's all try to get better. And one way that we can do that is to mind your own damn business about what your coworkers are eating. And listen, I know it's tough you see someone eating an omelet and hash browns at one thirty in the afternoon, you just want to make a comment about breakfast anytime. I get it. But don't. Don't say anything. Just walk away. And it doesn't matter if you watched Chopped last night or Top Chef. I don't care if you went to the fucking food and wine festival in Aspen last year. No one cares about your perspective on their lunch. And don't Don't give me foodie, gourmand commentary about your own lunch either. If you say, it's good but it could use a little more acid. Or, if you use the word umami to describe a non-Japanese dish. Or, God help you, God help you, if you try to brag that what you're eating was once featured on diners, drive-ins, and dives, I'm gonna pick up your sandwich and I'm gonna drop kick it across the office. Now maybe, maybe, if I brought my own hot sauce into the office and you happen to really like it, maybe we can talk about that. But even then, at least wait until I've had a chance to enjoy it on my lunch in peace. And that is what I'm not missing from the office. Okay, so let's get into BS inspirational sales quotes. Here's the thing about inspirational quotes. It's really in the eye of the beholder. If something motivates you, it motivates you. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a unique and original insight into the human psyche and the world around us, or if it's just something that a juiced up offensive tackle said in your huddle in high school one time. But I think we can all agree that we've seen some of those motivational posters Around offices that are just so half-assed or so contrived and obvious that they're actually more infuriating than they are inspirational. So I did some research on some of the top inspirational quotes geared towards salespeople. Let's look at those right now and see if we can come up with some alternatives here on the show. And yes, this music cue is intentionally over the top. I'm not afraid yeah. of not- it's been a ride. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. I'll get you there. You can try and read my lyrics off but it's before I But you not take this thing off these Success in sales is 80 percent attitude. aptitude okay so first off what are we basing these numbers on like did you measure this in some way and also like did you have to use two words that are like one letter apart attitude and aptitude just because you can rhyme something doesn't mean it makes more sense than words that don't rhyme you know I mean, I can do this too. Uh, sales is 80% mindset, 20% skill set. Wow, that's profound. 80% determination, 20% organization. <laughs> In sales, you only need to be 20% bright if you're 80% psyched. The next quote here is Don't watch the clock, do what it does. Keep going by Sam Levinson. Thanks, Sam. Um, the clock doesn't have plans later, okay? I wanna get the hell out of this office. The clock is a machine, so your quote doesn't make any damn sense. I mean, the logic in this quote is so basic, like you're just telling someone to emulate a machine because you want them to keep working, really? Uh, I can do that too. Uh, Don't watch the cars passing you by, do what they do, keep driving. Boom, gotcha, Sam. This next one is one that's just left me confused. The quote is, trying is winning in the moment. Trying is winning in the moment. What does that mean? I, I mean, I think winning is winning in the moment, no? <laughs> just a nonsensical sentence. And I don't know why it's considered inspirational. Maybe I'm not getting it. Let me, I mean, if I was going to come up with an alternative, uh, let's see. Success is happening when you do. What? <laughs> this next quote comes to us from Trish Bertuzzi Lean in, speak out, have a voice in your organization, and never use the word sorry. Thanks, Trish. Um, or it sounds like your name probably should be Karen. Um, here's the thing, totally into leaning in, totally in, into you inspiring people to do that. But you can definitely use the word sorry if you fuck up. If you completely lose your composure in the office and start insulting a coworker's immediate family, you can probably say sorry. You don't have to be like, um, yes, I may have misdirected my anger and taken out what should have been a office issue on you in your personal life and your kin. Um, that was a regrettable incident. I am trying to uh, convey an apology without actually using the word "sorry" because that's what Trish Bertuzzi told me to do. The next quote is from the legend Walt Disney. I mean. You gotta think that this is gonna be a good one. If Walt Disney, the founder of one of the biggest entertainment, one of the biggest companies in the world says something, it must be applicable to what you're doing. Walt says, the way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Now, okay, I can understand that there's a merit to that if you are an animator, but this is on a list for salespeople. So you can't tell salespeople that the way to get started is to quit talking because their job is talking. It would be like telling a basketball team, the only way to make a basket is to stop shooting and start scoring. Doesn't make any sense. This next quote comes to us from Thomas Paine, who if, uh, if you don't know, and I didn't know this, I had to look it up, but apparently... He was a political activist at the time of the American Revolution, authored two of the most influential pamphlets at the start of the American Revolution, which inspired the patriots in 1776 to declare independence from Great Britain. Now, listen, I'm going to trash his quote, but then again, I didn't write two of the most influential pamphlets in American history, so what leg do I have to stand on? But anyway, I don't know that this one is completely relevant for a sales team. The quote is, the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph by Thomas Paine. So like, okay, I get that in another context. The harder the mountain, the the bigger the mountain is that you climb, the more triumphant you feel at the top of it. Got it. But You don't necessarily need to make a sale more difficult in order for it to feel good when it closes. If it's an easy million dollar deal, it feels as good as if it was a difficult million dollar deal. You know, if you have an easy sale going and you're in the meeting room with a client and they're about to sign off, you don't have to get up, reach across the desk and slap them in the face just to create some adversity to make it feel good when you eventually talk them down off the ledge and convince them to sign the deal. And to close out here, we're going to cover a quote by the great um, Don Zimmer, who is, of course, a uh, baseball legend. is uh, in the Red Sox Hall of Fame, manager for uh, the Boston Red Sox for many years. Um, his quote is, what you lack in talent can be made up with desire, hustle and giving 110 percent all the time. Listen, I'm sure Don Zimmer was an unbelievable inspiration to the team, but can we please stop with the 110% bullshit? 110% is just hyperbole with numbers, okay? Whatever the maximum you can do, whatever the hardest you can try is, that's 100%. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to come up with a quote that's 110% more inspirational than Don Zimmer's quote. Here we go. What you lack in talent can be made up with desire, hustle, and giving 121% all the time. Hey, where do you get off insulting Donnie Zimmer? You and your Thursday night sales podcast. You think you're better than me? Seriously, no offense to the Boston people or any Red Sox fans listening to the podcast. I'm a Jets fan, okay? Your city's been kicking my ass for the last 20 years, but... This is my shot and I'm gonna take it, okay? Don Zimmer's quote doesn't make any fucking sense, okay? (laughs) I'm sure, you know what? Maybe Don Zimmer was an effective manager because he was 80% attitude and 20% aptitude. The fact is, any quote with 110% in it is just BS numbers soup. In fact, it reminds me of something a hitchhiker once said I'm gonna start my own company. Really? You heard of this thing, the eight minute abs? Yeah, sure. Eight minute abs. Yeah, the uh, exercise video. Uh Yeah, well, this is going to blow that right out of the water. Listen to this. Seven minute abs. So there you have it. Your new and improved inspirational sales quotes. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. If you have any suggestions for future segments of brutal glass door reviews, some bad gig that you have, some awful company you used to work for, please reach out on Instagram or Twitter at TNSalesPod and let me know. Thanks again for listening to the Thursday Night Sales Podcast. Just a little something to take the edge off. We'll see you next time.